So <clears throat> when we think about the culture of renew, um, I think there's two things that we need to think about. First, the culture of our surrounding society and then the culture we desire to build for renew as expressed by our values. So I'm going to talk about our values. Next slide. Um, but first I'm going to talk about Gold Coast Society. You need to click admit to admit whoever that is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there. <laughs> Computers can get way too complicated. Um, so what is the culture of our surrounding society? Actually, this is something that I researched back uh, in my role as apologist in residence at Mosaic. I spent a fair bit of time trying to figure out what the Gold Coast culture was. I'd been thinking about it for years before that, and so I thought I should actually formalise it. And what I found was that the Gold Coast attracted people because of its offer of an ideal work-life balance. Right? Next slide. But what is an ideal work-life balance? Well, there you go. For Gold, Coasters, for Gold Coasters, it means the opportunity to get outdoors and do stuff, especially water sports, but also things like cycling, walking, hiking, golf, drinking coffee, etc. On the GC, team sports are popular for kids but not overall, because the coast is really about self-indulgence. We have great shopping centres to indulge our desire to buy, buy, buy. We have amazing homes with great views or large yards or pools or great entertaining areas so that we can indulge our passions at home, perhaps with select guests. We have lots of gyms and, and uh, health places to indulge our obsession with fitness and beauty. We even have numerous sprawling and luxurious aged residential complexes to allow us to age in luxury and privacy. The GC is, at its heart, a hedonistic society. We worship pleasure and we've sought out this beautiful corner of the world in which to indulge in it. A phrase you're likely to hear on the Gold Coast is, this is as good as it gets. This is also why so many of the Gold Coast's churches are Pentecostal churches aiming to be megachurches or already megachurches. The focus, you see, of Pentecostal Christianity is on experiencing God's blessings in this present life. A goal that can be made very compatible with the Gold Coast's focus on experience blessings in this present life. That style of church is often slotted into the normal Gold Coast life, adding a little depth and perhaps some relational and spiritual pleasures. Which brings us to Renew. You might have noticed that we are not a Pentecostal church. Hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> and, we're, and we're definitely not mega. Rather, our values are built around three core biblical commands to love God with everything we are, 
to love our neighbour with the same love we lavish on ourselves and to make disciples for Jesus of all people. So how does this fit into GC culture? First, I want to emphasise that we should appreciate the beauty and the appeal of the Gold Coast. Here we are doing it on Tuesday, just this past Tuesday. Three of us, anyway. Uh, Andrew actually took that photo, which is why he's not in it. We all enjoy this gorgeous place, that's Emerald Lakes, by the way, which is one of those aforementioned retirement places. Um, We all enjoy it, and many of our church activities take advantage of the blessings of the Gold Coast. And there's nothing to be ashamed of about that. Nor do we advocate living in a way that separates us from the pleasures available on the Gold Coast. Personally, I love our lakeside home. The Groves and Duns, I'm sure, love their acreages. Maybe not, you know, keeping all of the acreage up, but I'm sure they love the, you know, the aspects of that. And I know that we... We all love the various aspects of our lives that are made pleasurable by the infrastructure and the opportunities of the coast, right? Does anyone here feel that they have a miserable life because they're living on the Gold Coast? (laughs) But we hold these pleasures lightly. They're not what give our lives meaning. If we lose them, our lives will not be destroyed. I did not... I didn't... Personally, I didn't come to the Gold Coast chasing pleasure. I actually came here to work and to serve. I stayed here because I thought it was a great place to raise kids. And I live here now because of the opportunity to serve and to love. And I know that you all have similar stories. Perhaps the biggest difference between Renew and the incipient prosperity doctrine or gospel of our Pentecostal sister churches is that we we do not flinch from the recognition that paradise hides pain. Lots of pain. The Gold Coast is a lonely place. It's exaggerated... Uh, individualism encourages family breakdown. Its obsession with youth and beauty creates crippling anxiety and physical pain in those who pursue this impossible goal. It's... I I didn't know until recently, but the Gold Coast has lots and lots of cosmetic surgery. uh, And that causes all sorts of problems. Lots of cosmetic surgery. Um, it's obsession. <laughs> that's, that's a video sort of thing. It's obsession with wealth and possessions creates devastating debt, which itself, of course, tears apart relationships. Our answer to this is not that God will... Um, sorry, just... Our answer is not that God will protect you from pain and suffering in this life if you can just be obedient. That's not our answer. That is an answer, but it's not ours. But rather, I think our answer is God will redeem you through the inevitable pain and suffering of this life. 
We look forward to eternity. This life can be enjoyable and we're going to enjoy every bit of it that's enjoyable, but it doesn't have to be enjoyable. And God will work in our hearts through both the pleasures and the pains. So let's look at what our values really mean and how Renew can distinctively live out these universal Christian truths. Our first value, biblical discipleship, is how we as a church fulfill the greatest commandment, which is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. Now remember that love for God is in many ways, is expressed in many ways, including loving his creation. And that's a big part of GC culture. Loving our neighbours and loving one another as Christians. It's important to recognise that, that we're not humanly capable of this total love for God. Right? We, 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 if we try to love God by loving his creation, that creation becomes our idol. If, if we try to love God by loving others they become our idols or or our tyrants. If we try to love God through religious practice, we become Pharisees. So if we try to love God on our own, it never works out. None of us, in other words, can work our way to heaven. As Paul says in Romans chapter 3, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. So loving God with all we are is not something we do. It's something we become through God's deep involvement in our souls. And often he uses pain to bring about that change. In fact, almost always he uses pain. Jesus actually expresses this in John's Gospel by saying to his disciples just before they suffer their most intense pain as Jesus goes to the cross. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This idea of abiding, of dwelling, of living, it's core to who we are. We live, we exist in God and He in us. Without that mutual indwelling, 
We're just dry branches thrown into the fire. Tragically, this is the fate of all Gold Coasters who reject Jesus. We don't like to talk about this, but they have no life. When they boast, it doesn't get better than this. They are sadly correct if they continue to reject Jesus. But in another way, sadly, they're incorrect. They're wrong because they're missing out on the possibilities of life with Jesus. It can get better than this. But if you reject Jesus, it doesn't. So how do we love God? How do we abide in him? So Jesus tells his disciples, keep my commandments. How do we know his commandments? Well, by reading his word. But we've seen how vast the gulf between obedience to Christ and the priorities of the surrounding culture. It's just 180 degrees. How can we persist in such a different lifestyle? How do we how do we maintain that? I think only by supporting one another in our journey. And that in is what Paul says in Thessalonians. Encourage each other and build each other up, just as you're already doing. And of course, that's what biblical discipleship is. Grounding ourselves in God's word so we can live in him and he in us and doing it together. Discipling one another, supporting each other in the journey so that we can all make it to the end of this difficult road. And of course, that leads directly into gracious community. If we're to support one another in the, on our journey of discipleship and, and in our endeavour to fulfil Jesus' command and to bring light to this world, then we need to be a community of love, the type of love in the second greatest commandment, which says, love your neighbour as yourself. But living as Jesus' disciples is hard work, right? The preacher of Hebrews tells his listeners... In Hebrews, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. So the preacher of Hebrews knows that it's tough being a Christian. Work at living in peace with everyone. Work at it. And work at living a holy life. It's not a bludge, it's work. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. You don't become a great surfer by only going to the beach every so often. Is that true, Tim? Um, I'm not really surprised. Yeah, (laughs) because you don't go to the beach often enough, right? And go surfing. Hey. Yeah. It's a, it's a lifestyle, right? And you don't get a buff body by working out when the fancy strikes you. <laughs> well, you don't keep it anyway. Isn't that right, Tim? You've got to hurt yourself. 
You don't grow closer to God without focusing on him and the family he's adopted you into. We just don't get things without working at them. So renews a community, a group of people bound together by mutual love of God and of one another. We don't get together because we love Mary's cooking or Nicole's singing or Mabel's activities or my talks. Definitely not because you love my talks. We get together because we love God and one another. And we want to get each other home to God. And we want to gather others to join us along the way. Now, because we, get, because we don't get together because of these worldly or cultural connections, we have to be a gracious community. We don't have these, these common interests, these worldly common interests. So we need grace. Grace is not tolerance as our society understands tolerance. Modern tolerance means that you put up with someone's behaviour so that they will put up with yours, right? No, grace is forgiving wrongs that have been done to you. Grace requires a recognition of what's right and wrong. It's not grace to forgive someone for making a dish that you didn't find tasty. That's personal preference. It's, it's not grace to forgive someone for saying something that you found offensive. Your emotions are your own to manage. But it is grace to forgive someone for saying something that was meant to hurt you. It is grace to forgive someone for failing to provide for you when they should have. Now, grace is not a human activity. It's, it's a supernatural activity. We show grace because we've been shown grace. We have to remember that everyone, every one of us, no matter how good we look, is a profoundly broken creature. Paul says in Colossians, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, which was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins, all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And so we put on the new self that Jesus has given us and we live differently further down in Colossians. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And you know what? Living like this doesn't just change us. It changes the world. And that is what Jesus was talking about when he gave us his new commandment to love one another because that will prove to the world that you're my disciples. And of course that brings us to our final value, light to the world. 
This values both the natural outcome of our first two values and also one of the reasons, perhaps the main reason, that we're here on earth rather than in heaven with Jesus. The last two verses of Matthew's account of Jesus' life tell us of Jesus' great commission for his disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us until we get to heaven. This commission informs our first value, biblical discipleship, because it's telling us to disciple people. It also informs our second value, gracious community, since what else are people being baptised into other than a gracious community? And it also informs our third value. We can't be lights without being disciples. Jesus tells his listeners in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, which is what the graphics are about. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Notice that we're called to shine our lights out. We're not meant to be hidden, but the opposite. This is why our values of biblical discipleship and gracious community must be worked out in a way that everyone can see. Renew must be transparent as a church, allowing people to see our lives being transformed. And through that, the reality, power and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. We could have chosen other metaphors from the scriptures to express this last value, such as ambassadors, which is from 2 Corinthians, or salt, which is from Matthew, just before the one about light, or the body of Christ, which is from 1 Corinthians. Now, we chose light because it most strongly emphasises the need to be visible, to not be a private club or a timid community. Light is unequivocally a positive thing, right? No one says, I hate light. Light sucks. (laughs) Well, maybe emos say that, I don't know. And teenagers and university students. Okay, some people say it. (laughs) God calls us to shine out. We are his beacons, calling all people to salvation by working out our own salvation. So the process that we are going through, the process of going from a broken vessel, a broken jar, to something whole is what shows God's love to the people around us. So if we hide that, if we pretend that we're okay, that we've made it, that we're already at that, you know, I'm already ready to go into heaven, we can't show people God's love. Or it's going to be a lot harder. So let's pray. 
Lord, help us to know you, to obey you, and to grow in you. Help us to encourage one another and to be beacons to this lost world. In Jesus' name, amen.